It's Survivor's Friendly Fire Show, episode 220 for the midpoint of November 2022. It's a lot of 20s. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Steve Wright. Joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Ben Salter. Hello, Ben. You have power. Oh, you don't need it. It's the middle of the day, but I'm assuming you you have power because you're here and your computer's on. I tell you what, Steve, it's amazing how cut off you are from the world with no power for a day and a half. Some people I know still don't have it. It's like four days later. Uh, so a storm came through South Australia and just shut down our power network, basically. Everything went off. Huge disaster. Uh, the road that we live on was, like, flooded. So, and, it, like, we're not really... We're pretty high up, too, uh, the main street. So you could get through, but it was tough. It was, like, a 10-minute storm. So no power. My PS5 was absolutely furious. So it had been cut off from the in- electricity for a few days. Uh, and, yeah, I'd know God of War for, like, a day and a half. It was tough. I was going to say, you were furious because you couldn't play God of War. Like, you're, yeah. I, I'm thinking about where your house is. There's, like, a road that kind of runs quite higher up than your house sits. Or is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the road that was, like, so not at our house. So, you the, didn't get flooded, but below, no. like, down the road? Well, so, water was gushing down that road and kind of before it kind of reconnects to the next main road. This is a pretty main road. Uh, it was, yeah, just like a section of it got flooded because there was a drain there, like under the road that was flooding out. It was so full so quickly. So, yeah, it was crazy. crazy and we're not going to specify exactly where you live because we absolutely hated God of War and we don't want people to come to your house and <laughs> knock on your door and, and try to kill you. Um, yes, well. That's not that's true. Not we'll get to that yeah. later on, of course. Um, I'm glad you have power now. I'm glad everything's fine. Uh, like Sunday night, we, Matt and I and the cats all woke up like terrified out of our minds because there was just like one ginormous crack of thunder like it was like god was coming down to like kill us all it was terrifying it was i've never heard thunder that loud and like the rain it's it it was like a movie because like sound stopped like it was like kaboom and then like there was just like a vacuum of sound and then the rain was like thundering down still and like there's just like this weird gap between like vacuum and void and then just like everything coming back to normal it was very creepy and like just being in like a, a state of sleep and waking up it was scary and cool but also scary so yeah it's been a stormy time it's strange to like just have the whole night of no power and do it again the next night because it's kind of a novelty the first time you're like oh yeah it'll be back on in the morning when we wake up and you wake up and it's still off uh and so the day is kind of fine like i just you know went to bunnings i got a the best thing to possibly buy is i've got those uh, ryobi batteries for like tools yeah and i got a usb adapter for it so that i could charge all my stuff off this like fully charged battery i had uh because like no one around here had power I couldn't even go to someone's house nearby because like no one had it so i had to go miles to find someone with power uh, good tool. They still had two left, so other people hadn't thought about this. Gee, that's my hot tip. Very slow. It's only USB two. I don't know why, but it's it's slow, but it works. Well, I was talking to like because you you texted me Sunday morning about it, and I was talking to Adam. Like, oh, I feel so bad for him. They're like they're sitting in the dark right now, and then I had to like think for a second. I'm like, oh, it's like ten in the morning. Um, daylight yeah, was, exists, yeah, and yeah, it's not like they're sitting in the dark. Actually, they're just. They don't get to turn on their TV or something, which is also bad. I, I fully understand that that is not something that anyone wants in this day and age. We didn't have it's, water for like six hours 
not too long ago because something happened. They had to turn off the mains. And that was also like, it's just like, you don't know what to do because it's just so unusual. Like, oh, I can't flush or I can't get new water to drink or I can't like it's I can't have a shower. It's weird. You don't know how many light switches I turned on constantly being like, yeah, yeah, the nighttime's a problem. Moving around, you don't know what to do. Cooking is okay with gas, but we didn't have any hot water because uh, like gas hot water needs power immediately. Otherwise, it can't turn on. So I had two cold showers. That's the worst. Uh, wouldn't recommend it. Mm. And and we like we make fun of the Americans for having, and I think it's it's changing, but like having gas like stove kettles and not electric kettles. But your electric kettle didn't work. <laughs> no, but I, I I made coffee on the stove. Uh, not great, but it was okay. To just yeah. like boil water in a pot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess that works. Yeah. Look Put at you. Plunger thing. In- ingenuity. You know, you've got time with no power. You've got time. <laughs> well, we will get to God of War in a second. We, we would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about the price point of the PlayStation VR 2. We totally forgot last time. It's good, though, because now this week we have uh, extra price points. We have prices of the launch or some of the launch lineup, at least of the PlayStation VR 2. First, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is on top of the $50 price hike for the PS5 and on top of the $340 DualSense Edge, we have um, the PS5 VR headset and peripherals, uh, which will set you back $879.95 without a game, maybe without a demo. I don't know if it's going to come with like a, a... VR worlds, we're not sure of that yet. Um, or nine hundred and sixty dollars with Horizon Call of the Mountain packed in. Mm. That's almost a thousand dollars. That's a lot. If you get the console and that and the dual sense edge, you are over two grand this Christmas. Uh, and you're a lucky boy if you get that package. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I can't remember the last I mean it's happened. The last PSVR was more than the console. I was gonna say I can't remember the last time a accessory costs more than the console itself but it's been a while like it's to have something that costs that much more i can kind of i almost get it like in the fact that the last psvr you use the dodgy looking move controllers it was kind of a it was a half step in they weren't fully committed this time they've gone all in you get the new controllers for your hands as well and the headset i can see why that would be pricey but it's too much <laughs> like who has a spare 950 for a vr headset in a game and the console and this is obviously a heightened experience from PlayStation VR 1, but like, I think the last PlayStation VR game that I played was Iron Man because I had to review it. And it was like mm. good, but just the effort of dragging out the headset and connecting all the things and then like pulling all the cables out and making sure that the cats weren't attacking it and then putting everything on and being basically cut off from the world and like hitting the couch because I was flinging too wildly. A lot of those, like some of those problems have been alleviated with the vr2 because you can get like that external like view to see what's going on it's like vr is not i want like star trek holodeck experience i don't want this yeah, and like holodeck. it's it's yeah it's a lot better than vr1 but it's also a lot more expensive and it just seems like an effort that i don't want to have to go through I guess we sort of had an idea of what some of these games were going to cost because already, like just with the the PSVR 2 pricing, it was like an $80 extra to get the Horizon Call of the Mountain pack-in. The pricing of games individually now have come out. Um, Horizon Call of the Mountain is $110 Australian if you're not buying it as part of the bundle. Um, 
the other games are like kind of weird. It's 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 basically between about thirty dollars to fifty dollars for most of the other VR two games. Um, one of the notable exceptions that that um, David Smith from Kotaku picked up on quite wisely is there's like a Star Wars Galaxy of the Something Enhanced Edition. I forget what it's called. It's seventy five bucks Australian for PSVR two. The same game on the Meta Oculus, probably Rift. Two, I forget which meta thing is thing. It's like forty bucks, so that there's like this inexplicable price hike because of PlayStation. I guess it's just it's a very expensive hobby. It's the it's the same as a game coming to Switch and being a worse version of it. Not to say that it's going to be worse than Oculus, but then they cost way more. Like how often has something like Witcher Three come to Switch and it's ninety bucks versus ten bucks on PlayStation or Xbox? Like it's it's just the new platform tax, which sucks. Like I'm sure it was that on the Oculus at one point. Uh, but yeah, you pay more for an old game on new hardware. Yeah, like I just I I'm not I, I hope that Horizon for what it's priced is really, really good. And like we have had examples of games that are basically the same in VR yeah. or not in VR. And Resident Evil 7, in my mind, is the is the easiest example here. Like it was the same game. You could play it in VR or not. It wasn't like it didn't feel like a VR game if you weren't playing in VR. And I hope that for what it's priced at, Call of the Mountain is exactly that. But also then, are we, why don't we have this in kind of first person mode just on PlayStation 5 without having to spend close to $1,000 to play it? To sell the headset is why. Like in, they, Sony know more of the better than anyone, except for maybe Nintendo. You need to have software to sell hardware. And that's the problem. Like the thing with, spending well costing more than the console for your vr headset it's going to be the same as connect but on a much grander scale in that you spent so much more and you eventually there's just not enough software to support that now it's probably going to be way better way more high tech way more immersive than connect ever was than move ever was than itoy ever was but they were pretty cheap so like you you play three or four games on those and maybe you got your money's worth for nearly 900 dollars, i would expect to be playing multiple games a year on this thing uh, and getting something I couldn't get anywhere else that I really liked. And I, that's also part of the, the trouble, right, is how do you test this? How do you know you want to spend that much money? I'm pretty confident if you're a gamer, uh, you're going to want a PS5. You're going to want an Xbox Series X. You're going to want whatever Nintendo does next. Like you, you're getting a standard gaming platform. You're going to like it. Are you going to like VR? It's, it's a bit unknown for that price. Well, and like I guess people on PlayStation have the VR1 to sort of have as a comparison and like i'm throwing him under the bus i guess but like i know that jay ball writer for survivor um has pre-ordered a playstation vr2 because he's into it and like from hmm. my experience with vr1 i'm like nah i'm good i don't i don't need to spend that much money on on this thing so there's obviously a, a market for it and good for people who want to do that the downside is like i own like a, a number of games on vr1 that aren't compatible with vr2 Though, like, I feel like could easily be. So, like, that that's, that's also yeah. that. Like, you can't just spend $888, whatever the price is. Not a fact-based show. And, like, potentially have nothing to play. That's scary, isn't yeah. it? Well, that's that's how consoles were always launched traditionally, is they, they weren't backwards compatible. You'd only have your one or two games. And so, I mean, that's why they have Horizon as an exclusive. Uh, you need that one big hit. You need your Mario 64 where it doesn't matter that you've got nothing else. You've got your one big system seller. 
the fact that you also have to have a PS5 to go with it makes it a pretty expensive system seller. So I wouldn't expect it to fly off the shelves. I think it's going to be your, your people like Jay who are know they're keen on VR and they already have a PS5. Uh, otherwise, it's it's a hard sell. And for the first time ever, like PS5s are readily available. You can actually right now at time of recording, probably at not time of listening with how quick they go, you can pre-order a PS5 at EB Games. You can't walk in and buy one today, but you can order one online and you get it in like two weeks. You don't have to get it in a bundle. That's the thing we haven't had for ages. Like they're they're finally coming back online. So hopefully VR doesn't make them go out of stock again. I don't think that it will at launch at least. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's just a it's a big commitment, and I'd rather spend a thousand dollars on well a number of things like a a better GPU for my computer or extra hard. Sp- anyway, yeah, like it's 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 if you like VR, then you're probably excited about this. I. I want my like Star Trek holodeck. I just want to be, I don't want the metaverse. I don't want like anything like that. I just want like leap, instant leap to holodeck. And if I'm like 95 years old and we finally get the holodeck, I'll be excited. And that's what I'll start using it. But I'm not going to like slap on a headset to be in a meeting in a virtual room with people who are sitting at their home, basically like we are now, but with less stuff on my face. Yeah. Old man rant over. (laughs) What else is going on? Sorry. <laughs> there's, there's some big news, Steve. That's you, big you news? Know big, that's not big news. Well, the big news is we're back as a judge. We're back as a judge in the Game Awards. I thought you wanted to announce us, even oh. though you kind of did on Twitter. But We already did, won. yeah. I didn't do a they news might. post about it. But yes, we returned for, our, I have no idea how many yeth year of being a voting outlet in the, the Game Awards, but we are definitely one for 2022, which is good. So... Uh, we've also got the nominees for this year, and it was basically a year that was, well, I guess three titles, two titles for sure, and maybe three, depending on what we're talking about. Like, I, th- I think it's safe to say that Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok are have yeah. stolen the show, and like maybe Stray and potentially a Plague Tale Requiem are like not too far behind, but also like distantly behind. Mm-hmm. Maybe Plague Tale, I'll give you that. Stray, I think, is a, a notch below. I, it, it felt like, as you say, Elden Ring and God of War are the clear two standouts. I would expect them to sweep the awards, the awards this year. Uh, it's, it just kind of, it felt like that long before we knew the nominees. And the rest have, not that any of them are bad games, real good games, but they, they feel like they're a little bit making up the numbers. Uh, Return to Monkey Island was robbed. It should have been in there, but a little bit niche, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's it's... Certainly more of a, you can kind of see it happening before it's happened, more so than previous years. And it's pretty much what we'd expect aside from that. I think Stray had more nominations all up than Horizon did. Um, but yeah, like I feel like a lot of these categories you look at and you're like, oh, clear winner, A or B. And it's usually Elden Ring or God of War. Or like there's the odd occasion where they're on their own. It's like, well, okay, well, they're they're definitely going to win that. Um, yeah. It's weird, like, because, like, there's all these, like, there's the recency bias, like, is Ragnarok as good as Elden Ring? I I would say no, just because Elden Ring, like, just took up so many months of my year. But that was so long ago at the same time. Like, I don't know how that's going to factor into proceedings. Um, It always does. But, yeah, it's it's a tough one for that point of view. People are complaining more than they have now about... You know, it's the same AAA games. There's the the Sony boost. Sony always gets their first party games in there. But one, because they actually released some this year. Xbox didn't really. Uh, and Nintendo didn't really release their big hitters. They've released Pokemon too late. It's on the very last day of the cutoff for nominees, but uh, none of the outlets really would have played it yet. So it 
couldn't really be considered for anything, it's not a nominee for anything. Uh, and it shouldn't be eligible for next year aside from the... No, it's not. Cut-off's December or something. So it's it's done. Yeah, so, um, yeah, they released them too late. They can't really be counted. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised when people kind of say, why are the AAAs always in there? It's pretty obvious why. It's because this is a global award. It's voted for by heaps of outlets. We're one of three in Australia who do it, but there's loads in America. Uh, and if you kind of think about it, the common denominators are the AAA games. So I'm sure we all kind of throw in some indie, some smaller games as well, but we don't all pick the same ones. Therefore, they don't get enough votes to make the top six, so they don't make the cut. That's why. It's just it's always going to be the going to have a bunch of people voting for your God of Wars, your Elden Rings, even your Strays to a degree because it was so, so popular. Uh, the, the smaller games can't really get into that top category. Yeah, well, and like as much as this is like the 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 ultimate award show for this sector it's it's also the i think we we make jokes about it all the time so does everybody else it's like the is this more like an ad or an award show it like are we gonna see okay. hideo kojima just because he's like besties with with jeff Keeley? like absolutely we are and we're probably gonna learn about overdose which is gonna be good to to learn about at, at least like there's all these things yeah. it is what it is and that's like that's not to detract from I've just found Vampire Survivors. It's been on PC for ages, and now it's on Xbox. I told you, like, a couple days ago, like, get into it. It's so much fun. It's just like a maybe three-minute play session to a half-an-hour play session of just, like, insane stupidity. And, like, once you kind of, like, get it, it's super fun. And, like, that that did get a nom, I think, in, in the indie category. There's two indie categories. And things like Call to the Lamb, which is an Australian-made game, like, they're recognized there. I think... Yeah. For our little local outlet, maybe Cult of the Lamb's going to get more like Survivor Game of the Year or Game of the Year adjacent award nominations than than it did in the Game Awards. But there's, you know, like everybody has their own lists and there's something to be said for, you know, like engaging in multiple lists. But, you know, we're talking like this is the Game Awards. These are the nominations. So as a as a voting outlet, we vote on these What's nominations that? that the world has set. Yeah, it's that's exactly it. Everyone has their different opinions. You should look at, I mean, if you like something and you love it and you saw it go to a bunch of six out of tens everywhere, but it's your favorite game of the year, that's fine. As long as you had fun, we all have fun. Uh, but the Game Awards still has merit. Like, I feel like it's the only way you can have like a global kind of somewhat combined Game Awards that's voted on by a bunch of different countries. And of course, the, the big, the better known games are going to be better represented in that. It's just the nature of the beast. Smaller stuff, you will still find celebrated and loved elsewhere. Probably not on Twitter, though, but we don't need to get back into that. <laughs> um, is there any like specific category that you want to talk about, or am I going to start transitioning us into our, our next main topic? Well, we can transition because it's that the next main topic was pretty much covered in every single award group, and I think it's going to sweep pretty much all of them, as we say, along with Elden Ring. I think it's going to be... Well, we can use that to segue because I think Elden Ring is going to pretty much win all the gameplay awards and possibly uh, the overall game of the year. And God of War Ragnarok will win anything story-based, anything production-based. It's an extremely well-polished game. Uh, by the time you listen to this, you better read our review because I've finished it. It's ready to go. I just need to read it again to make sure it all makes sense. Um, and then lock and down yeah. all of your social media platforms and start muting people immediately. Even if you give it like a 10 out of 10, people aren't going to be happy. I'm really sorry to tell you this. Welcome to right. my world. Oh, it's getting an 11, Steve. Uh, <laughs> no, it's getting a 9. Getting a 9 out of 10. It's, a, it's an excellent game. I think it's pretty much 
it's it expertly really combines kind of storytelling and gameplay into one unified experience better than any game I've ever had before. Yeah. And the first like the first few minutes kind of tug at your heartstrings, and that's the weakest part of the game. Like the first few hours kind of feel super same-ish to the last game, and that's its whole mantra. It's it's a super safe sequel, and it's a great way to prove that you can do that really well. You don't have to constantly innovate, constantly change things. And that's because they've basically, they left us wanting more after the last game and they've delivered the more. That's what they've done here. It's kind of the encore. It's a two game kind of a double punch. Uh, and it's great for that. Like it knows that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to be a sequel to a PS4 game. So it's not trying to go next level PS5. It's not trying to Uncharted to us where it kind of takes an original idea and makes it way better. Like it was already really good. Uh, and and they know that. So they've just kind of tweaked basically everything and fixed little things. The biggest flaw with the dodgy camera, they haven't touched essentially. Like there's a few more options, but they're all bad. Uh, and that was its weakness. It still is. And you could probably say maybe the story is not quite as engaging because it's the second game and it's kind of second time around. But it's it's still really strong. And I, I haven't played many games where it kind of jumps between cutscene and gameplay so kind of intuitively and naturally that you don't even realize. Like, it feels like one long thing. It doesn't feel like now we're cutting to cutscene. There are times where I was still, like, holding the controller as if I'm playing. And then I kind of just my mind hadn't changed over like it normally does into that. Now it's cutscene time. Grab your phone and scroll through Twitter for a bit or whatever. Like, I pretty much do that in every game. I often tune out a bit in the cutscenes or I give it half my time. Yep. That didn't happen in God of War. And I think that's probably the biggest compliment I can pay it, uh, that it's it, it captivated me the whole time. And that's why it's really good. Gameplay-wise, it's pretty much the same as the last one. And that's that's what it tries to do. And that's what it, it wanted to do. And that's what it does. So you don't have to go bigger is better. It's a great example of that. I have absolutely nothing to say against what you've just said. I, I fully agree. I, I've had a whole bunch of things I've had to do in, in the interim. So I'm I'm still, I think, in the section where it's a little bit of a slog and it's a little bit just like rehashing 2018. But also I have mm -hmm. the advantage of going downstairs because my husband's working nights and like seeing him play. And he's like hours and hours ahead of me. And I'm like, ooh, yeah. I can't wait till I get to go and do those things and be with those people and do that. Um, it's, it's that very like Marvel movie mentality of like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Here's exactly the, the formula that we're going to stick to. And like, there are things to, to be said against that, but also like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And yeah. it's, it's compelling the narrative so far for me. And like the section that I'm in feels like a little bit of a rehash and like, get to the, get to the monkey. But like, I can also see already that there is a a huge like cliff that we're going to climb to get to like the good stuff. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's a good thing to say, like just play like 15 hours and you'll get to the good stuff. But like, if the good stuff isn't that bad when it's not great, you know what I mean? Like it's all right, but I like, I know it's going to get better and I'm just, I need to get better. to that cliff. I think. Yeah. And I think it's, it's probably more, so you've been playing a bunch of other stuff as well, and that's it's a hard way to play this game. It's the type mm. of game where you need to kind of just stick to it, and that's what you're playing. And you're probably going to finish it if you're that type of player in a week or so. Even though it's like a 25-hour game, uh, it will hook you and you'll play it, and that's all you do for that time. When you have to bounce to other games and when you have to write about it and when you have to do that stuff, it's, it's the worst way to do it. So if you're a streamer out there, that's not the way to play this game. Just enjoy it. Uh, yeah, it's it's 
kind of the perfect game from that point of view. If you ever, if you haven't played the first game, play them back to back. Like it's the perfect game to do that, even though it will be quite long. It's it really feels like more of the same game, and it's 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 just so different to trilogies we've come accustomed to because they're, they're you can kind of see how they build them up, and they know that they need to make the second game kind of last a while so that you can play the third game. Like it's it's in the mentality when you get there. There's none of that here. It kind of like it knows it's the end. At least for this reboot, like God of War will be back, but it's it knows that this is the end for this kind of section of this game. God of War, God of War, real return in. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. pick pick a different god, legend Norse. We've done Norse anyway. Sorry, I, I cut you off. Yeah, it's it's just a great way to play it in that in that mindset of like I'm I'm playing these two games and it's a great combo and we don't need to have a third one coming. Like it's all here. So yeah, it's it's hard to see anything really against it. It's it's a safe sequel, but it's a, an example of it happening really well. I think people kind of throw that term around in a negative way in that they've played it too safe. They haven't tried to do anything different. This is a time where that's actually a really good thing. They've given us more of what we wanted, yeah. and then they've ended it. They haven't said, here's more again, and we're going to do more again, and then more again. Like They've, they've kind of given us the perfect amount. It, it's safe in that it can be safe because the 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 change the amount of not safeness between the last god of war section of the franchise and 2018 was so drastically different i probably did pull a punch or two because i was like i wasn't sure if the people who were in for god of war for like the god of war the dante's infernos like that kind of gameplay if they were mm. going to like this cuz it was so different and like it's good like and like an 8 in my mind is still really good 2018 is it a is, great game yeah. i think this is like it, it well it is better for sure like it just it, in, in how it's been polished but it's not drastically different but it was in 2018 so like that's where the 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 risk was taken and this is like the refinement of clearly a working formula um something that i didn't get with the 2018 version that a lot of reviewers did especially like kind of my age is that like oh it's just father-son relationship and like ooh son but like now that Atreus is older I am finding like weird parallels between him and my 13 year old nephew like the, the the weird way his voice sounds the like the kind of like being confident in some aspects of his life and not in others like it's I'm connecting more to this that part of the narrative than I did 2018 mm. because I just see those parallels and like I just like I inherently love it and going back to the game awards like people, I think people have been dragging the Atreus voice actor. I think I did when we saw the first trailer. I'm like, he just sounds weird. But like, I'm fully like that's that voice actor is the best. And like, Christopher Judge yeah. is a great actor, but people are like, oh, he's great. You should get a Game Award. He just kind of goes, I have a gravely voice, and I say one sentence at a time. Boy. Like that's that's yeah. Well, he doesn't say boy anymore, but he's like, I no. cool. Let's do that. I'm just the boy. Kratos is very much not the focus of this story, at least for me so far. Like he's he's the core of it, but he's not like the active player as much as everything else unfolding Absolutely. around him, which is good. It's really good. He definitely steps back a little. There's without a doubt, there's two protagonists now. So Atreus has taken a step forward. I think his voice actor is really good. So he kind of sounds like, as you say, a bit a bit of an insecure teenager, which is what he is. I think he does a, a great job. And he's got a normal kid or adolescent voice versus Christopher Judge, who's got this booming voice. Who's like, imagine, I know they would have done their lines separately, but just knowing that's who you're going to be playing off is quite intimidating. And I think he does a great job. And a lot of the story is told through how he speaks and how he sees it. And he's a little bit more grounded and more relatable, 
in that Kratos is such, I mean, God of War protagonist, and he's got this booming voice. He's a real fictional character that you can't see yourself in at all. Atreus plays a bit more of a kind of that reflecting back to the audience this time around. So, yeah, yeah I think they all do a good job. I don't want to go into like too much spoilers, so I'll try to keep it very vague. But like, I'm going to kind of spoil a little bit. So if you don't want to listen for like the next minute, maybe don't. But like, you can play as, in my, at least where I am, as a second character who's not Kratos. You can probably figure out who that character would be. And I find no, I that person's gameplay. Well I find I that, that's... I find, well, fine. I find Atreus like way more fun to play with than Kratos so far. Yeah. I'm sure Kratos so gets some extra bells and whistles, but like Atreus is fun. He's like quick and like nimble and agile. Yeah. That's the same word for three different things, but like it just, it's fun playing as Atreus. It, it changes up combat a little bit more than just Kratos. So he pretty much plays exactly the same as he did four years ago. He's got a couple of different moves and he's maybe slightly quicker, but it's pretty much the same. So adding in Atreus, who has a bow and arrow, and he's, he's much quicker. Uh, and in some ways, he feels, when you first play with him at least, he feels stronger. You kind of feel like you've been slowly swinging this axe around, and now you're quite quick. Uh, and I just kind of downed enemies as Atreus initially. So Yeah, headshots. Uh, definitely, yeah, it mixes up combat a little bit. You only We should just say you only play as him at certain times in the game. It's not like it's a two-team where you can jump between the two of them when they're both there. Uh, you're still mainly Kratos. And you have Atreus as your companion character, uh, but yeah. So I don't think that's a spoiler. That's that's kind of a known thing by this point. Nothing about the story there. The story is bigger than gameplay. That's probably the main thing in God of War. I said they were unified, and they are. I think they're both kind of equal billing. If anything, uh, story is just ahead compared to Elden Ring, where clearly gameplay is ahead, and that's their focus. So that's the difference between these two games. I would well, say that I'm normally a I'm normally a gameplay is king person. Uh, God of War is probably the type of game where if anything is ever going to sell you on, they should be kind of equal story and gameplay coming together. This is probably the one. I think this is a game though, where like if, if you're not a seasoned player and you've, and you've watched like your partner play or you've like dabbled, like you could just set this to give me story or whatever, like the, the basic accessibility yeah. set. And like, there are so many accessibility settings in here. Like you can just put it to like, I don't care about the fighty fighty bit. Just like make this a cool, like 20 hour movie. And, and like, and that's something to be seen as a positive. And also like, I guess it could be seen as a negative, like where in terms of story wise, this one's like, it's very obvious. You don't have to think about it too much. It's very like mm. popcorn entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with that. Whereas like, Elden Ring, if people get super invested, they can find like a piece of lore on the ground or whatever, however you do it, and then go watch like a YouTube video where some dude for like 20 hours explains like how that factors into the entire world and like this connects to this and this. Like it's there if you want to find it as opposed to like this is a movie from Sony. It's like this giant spectacle. And they're like either both are equally valid. Uh, from a storytelling point of view, I think God of War is leaps and bounds ahead of that, just from my personal opinion. I think we often say something is captivating, something uh, is really engaging, it makes you want to kind of keep playing. That's what God of War story is. I get that Elden Ring has this deep lore, but it is not, it's the opposite of captivating to me. It's off-putting. It's You need to search, seek it out. You need to then research it outside of the game. On your own time, you need to go find out what does this actually mean, and that just kills it for me. Like I'm just not interested, whereas God of War is actually enjoyable to watch from that point of view i loved elden ring i got my full thousand gamer score i played it for ages didn't think i'd like it that's totally changed my opinion on from software games 
it has not on the story at all. I couldn't tell you what actually happened in that game, and I don't care. It's, I don't care about researching. Yeah. No, I get, yeah. I'm, I'm also the hardcore, like, old school, not hardcore, just old school, just old, like, Resident Evil guy who reads all the, the documents, like, actually sits and reads all the documents yeah. and pieces it together, which is, like, it's one way to make a game, and that's not the right way to Something make a game, like it's that. a way to make a game. Exactly. Yes. Um, there are, like, a ton of really good games that we haven't talked about at all in terms of game awards or, like, connections to, to God of War, like Immortality. Yeah, that right. Really yeah. Good. Like ha- yeah. like that's in terms of narrative, like that could be up there for a narrative arc. Um I feel like a Plague Tale got a lot of award like a nominations, but like not really seen a lot of people talking about Plague Tale, which I also hate because I've not played Requiem to a great extent, but like I played Innocence and it was fantastic. So like I'm really keen it's like that's my Christmas game, I think, where I have time to like actually sit and enjoy something. That's when I'm gonna play Requiem. Which yeah, means I'm not going to vote for it because I haven't played it. But like, eh, oops. Bit of a grim story from what I've been able to piece together. But I've, I've only played the first couple of hours. So, uh, but yeah, it looks good. It's it's a year for that type of game. It seems to be kind of uh, narratively somewhat ambitious games in that we've got a kind of a big story in God of War. Then you've got the deep lore of Elden Ring. Then you've got something quite dark in A Plague Tale. And then Immortality, immortality is just weird but like really interesting it's weird in a gameplay sense in that there's not much gameplay it's it's all about kind of piecing together videos and stuff yeah uh, and, and interesting so we're all across the spectrum for the narratives this year and in terms of like the worst well in terms of the worst categories of the game awards i think there's some connected to creators who are like now not on twitter who basically just regurgitate what other people have written in articles but anyway like i think um the games for impact category in terms of like the actual categories is probably the weakest this year because i don't feel like there were actual games for impact not like yeah. uh 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 tell me why which is dealing with like trans rights and like actual issues and i'm sure like mmr blue does but like as dusk falls which i think is a pretty good game like yeah, the, decent. what is what is the message there? What is the game for impact in that particular case? Don't be yeah. poor. And that that category is always a bit weird. I never really know what to put in there. It's none of these games I would say have great impact. Uh, I think it should be more kind of games that had interesting narrative games that kind of got your attention in that way. But I wouldn't put as dust in that either. It was a that was another popcorn game. Like it's kind of fun to play for a bit, but it's it's over quickly and that's kind of it i don't think we as a voting outlet nominated anything in that category because i couldn't think of anything like a tell me why like Mm. and that's the only thing i can think of right now probably like a life is strange would would work for like suicide issues and stuff like there's that this wasn't anything that i could think of from 2022 that that fit and i didn't play a memoir blue and like citizen sleeper also got nominated i loved citizen sleeper i don't like it's it has it's like Fallout-ish kind of like really choice-based repercussions, but like it's not dealing with issues. So like I don't understand why. Anyway, it is what it is. Um, anything else on God of War or Game Wars that you want to talk about? No, we can check out our review on the site now, hopefully. Now I've committed myself to having it ready <laughs> before this podcast goes live. So you've given me more work tonight. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate yeah. it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, speaking of work, uh, Microsoft and or Europe 
regulators have to do a lot of it in terms of whatever is going to happen with Microsoft acquiring or potentially acquiring Activision Blizzard. Um, there was a whole bunch of stuff happening as always, mm-hmm. and it's usually tied to Call of Duty. Um, but I guess the focal point, like from what you want to talk about, is is a EU commissioner talking about wanting in a tweet COD on my PlayStation, my being that guy's PlayStation, yeah. the guy who wrote the tweet. Ricardo, someone not a fact based show. We don't need <laughs> forget his name. Uh, it was just an odd tweet, and it went viral. And the EU Commission pretty much said what he also said later, which is my you know look at my bio. It says my opinion is my own, uh, and I'm I don't work on that team that does um, the watchdog commissioning, whatever it is that's looking at this deal. But then it's since come out then. Why it's become interesting again, kind of, is because it's come out that he was on that exact team that would be looking at this exact deal for 17 years. So until recently, he was on that team. And so even if he now works in a different department, he he tweeted as if he was speaking for them, even though he kind of later said, oh, my opinion is my own. Because then he said, and second on our list is to update our stock photography because he tweeted it with a picture of someone using a corded controller. Oh, yeah. Um, so it certainly sounded like he was speaking on behalf of them. Even if he's in a different team, he would know people in that team. I'm sure they have him on Twitter. It's certainly influencing them to some degree if he's not actively talking about this at the pub after work. Uh, it's it's just such a weird thing to say publicly. And I kind of feel like, or- like you need to have pure squeaky clean integrity to do something like this at least say a playstation publicly while you're whispering in the ears of your colleagues about this which he did so weird uh so phil spencer basically came out in a separate interview and he said again what he's already said we will as long as there's playstation call of duty will be on it but now it sounds like he's a little more open to actually having that in words in a contract which didn't happen for Minecraft, and that's still on PlayStation. It didn't happen for Destiny on Xbox, and now PlayStation, of course, own Destiny. Uh, so why it would happen for Call of Duty is a little unknown, but it kind of seems like he's open to it. Maybe it would supersede the deal they already have between Activision and PlayStation for marketing and stuff like that. Maybe Xbox would allow it if they got to have Call of Duty on Game Pass from next year or the year after, uh, and they could kind of get rid of that existing deal, which apparently exists, which forbids that. Hmm. Um they obviously, the thing they can't do is they can't say we will have Call of Duty on PlayStation for, forever because Sony could change what PlayStation means in a few years. It could be a different type of console or it's not going to work. Like they can't say that. They need to have a well, deal, which is like. Spencer yeah, went on record today saying PlayStation 7. Hmm. So, like, that's, that's a multi you know, year commitment, at least. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I like that little bit tongue in cheek. He also came out and pretty much said, you know, Call of Duty is great and all, but we want Candy Crash. Candy Crush. We need to be on mobile, otherwise we're dead in the water, and we're not really on mobile at the moment. So there's more to this deal for them clearly than COD. It's a big part of it, but it's obviously more to it. And it seems like it, that's all that anyone really cares about. That's all anyone focuses on. Yeah. And I couldn't, we can't really see how Xbox could do more to to kind of alleviate those fears that, of course, it's going to stay on multiple platforms. It's just sold like some ridiculous amount Modern Warfare 2, and a big part of it is it's got a huge community. Like, how quickly do other games fall away because the player base falls away? Uh, When you've got this cross-platform game that's a juggernaut, of course they want people playing on every possible platform. I have no doubt that if Switch 2 can handle a non-cloud version of COD, like at any level, it will get that. Uh, So I I think they'll expand it, if anything. The thing that annoys me about all this is that, like, Sony is so against this. Like, and and you have to be. As as a company, you have to be like, Mm. this is bad for our bottom line. We have to oppose it. 
And like, I, I kind of hope that they're trying to oppose it knowing that it's fruitless because they have so much more of the market share. They have so much more control and power. They're not a monopoly. There's not a monopoly in gaming yet. And like, it might happen soon because everything's just merging and being weird. But, um, Mm. they're opposing all this, but also you're seeing, uh, trailers for Final Fantasy and for Forspoken, where it's like PlayStation exclusive for two years in the case of Forspoken, six months, I think. Not a fact based show in terms of Final Fantasy. So, like, Sony is making moves to try to lock people to their console and then complaining that Xbox is potentially making moves to lock people into their console. It is what it is. Um, it's always been a thing. Console exclusives and locking in third-party exclusives to kind of fill your own gap. They've all done it the whole time. Xbox has probably done it less recently because they got a little bit scared from when they did it with Tomb Raider. Uh, well, Sony's really ramped it up and they've done way more. And even Nintendo's doing it with stuff like Bayonetta. Where previously, they were always just, we do our own and that's it. Uh, so it's always been a thing. Perfect world, I think we'd all agree that anything on any platform would be the ideal way. You can just play any game wherever you want. That's never going to happen because then there's no competition. There's it's it sounds perfect, but I don't think it really is. In that you'd never have anyone pushing the other the other team, whoever it is, to do better. So if everything was on Xbox, everything was on PlayStation. There's no need to have your God of War going next level. There's no need to have uh, whatever. What's X, Xbox even going to do? Well, Pendiment's their smaller game recently. Starfield, for example. Like you you need that competition to say we we need to match that. We need to do better. Otherwise, that kind of dies away. Uh, and it's if you can afford it, it's an excuse to have all the platforms. Yep. Even if you have your preferred option, you get to have the others because there's stuff that is worthwhile. And you were speaking to it before. Like, um, you, you were saying whatever PlayStation is in the future. And, like, that's that's the mm-hmm. case for Xbox as well, I guess. But Xbox has made this giant move to, to cloud streaming. PlayStation will absolutely, in a better way than it is now, follow suit. Xbox has game pass and playstation now has the playstation plus tiers like it's competition encourages improvement and refinement and trying to better one another so like that is great um i guess sort of related to that we had randomly phil spencer absolutely taking a photo of the prototype of the game streaming box that didn't see the light of day when he was pretending to take a picture of a Fallout thing, which was like completely not centered. Um, we found out recently that that they didn't go with that little, I guess, Chromecast-like device. Yeah, Codename Keystone. That's what it was called. Perfect, because it was too expensive. So yeah. they just dropped it. And I, I guess in place, they went with partnering with Samsung to make an app for the TV where you just have Game Pass cloud streaming on the TV. Yeah. Which, Which makes start. sense. I think they should still do this, but I get why they can't do it yet. You can't. I think they want it to be under $130 US with a controller. And at that point, you're getting to only just below half price of the Series S. If you go more than that, why would you ever buy this? You may as well get the console, which can also stream stuff. Uh, so I can see that's a problem. I kind of feel like with a controller should be an option. If they ever do release this, they should release one without a controller because I'm sure there's heaps of people who have multiple Xbox controllers, especially if you can use a one controller. Anything Bluetooth, basically. Well, well, yeah. And so, well, the same way that it works with the TV streaming, I suppose, I think there is probably a market that maybe they haven't thought of that much. They're so uh, hell-bent on just getting in as many houses as possible is what about the lapsed people from last generation who didn't buy a Series X but have a one controller 
or the people who have a console, but they just want a second one somewhere and streaming is good enough for the second TV. Uh, like I think there is a market for one without a, a controller, but I can see why they don't want to just sell a device that you can't actually use on its own. So it's, it is a hard one to, to find that price point. But if you're not, if you're not going to do the little device, then you have to, it's like, it's great if you have a 2022 Samsung TV or newer, which doesn't yeah. exist obviously right now, but like, why not? You can do game streaming on iOS despite the the weird gatekeeping that that Apple has, and I guess that's the same extent on Samsung or not Samsung. Sorry, uh, Android devices. Like, make an LG TV app, make an iOS app, make an Android app. Get it on TVs. So if you have a controller, like we've just spoken about, like you don't have to have a Samsung TV. Like if you're not going to make a little box. Or make a Chromecast app. I guess that's that's Android still. You know what I mean? Like, just make this more accessible to more people without having to have a PC or your phone. Like, if, if I could play on a TV without an Xbox, which is what you need right now for cloud streaming. Yeah. Like, why haven't they filled that gap yet? I think they will. I think that's probably next. I think processing power is somewhat of an issue. Otherwise, if... Like the most powerful of the Chromecast, which I think is a Google TV Chromecast, could it run on that? Could you just cast it? Like that has its own remote, so you don't need to actually cast. You can just use apps on that. Would it run on that? That would be the device I would pick because anyone could go out and buy that and add it to any TV. But is it powerful enough? I know there, there has been issues with this is obviously something which needs a, a heftier processor than Netflix does. Uh, even here with like, so we have a streaming app called KO, which is for sport, and it clearly needs more power or it's just a badly made app, probably a bit of both. Uh, like <laughs> definitely, definitely both. So I have I have two LG OLED TVs, and they're only like a year or maybe two years apart. And the newer one, which is a 2020 model, it runs it perfectly well. Uh, the older one, it does have the app. I think it's the oldest TV you can get that has the app on it, and it struggles to the point that I've just added a Chromecast back to that TV because the app's garbage on it. And so it's it must it's either they just they purposely made it worse to try to make me upgrade my TV, or it's just too weak to do that, and that might be part of the problem. I think generally, that's a whole other topic. Generally, smart TV software is garbage and they seem to purposely make it a little bit shitty so you upgrade your TV. No one's going to do that. Everyone just eventually adds like a Google Chromecast to their TV to, to fix yeah. that. So that's what Xbox should target if that can work. I'm not a huge Apple fan, but we have an Apple, we don't even have a new Apple TV. We have a 4K Apple TV. I'm not sure what the year is, but like it, it has Hey You for Matt wanting to watch the Real Housewives of insert every suburb ever and like it plays netflix and stan and and like there's been um articles i think on i'm gonna say Eurogamer, probably digital foundry which say like if you watch netflix and the like on like an xbox like you're killing the planet because it takes so much extra power than watching it on really? any number of things so like i think yeah it's it's a it, there's so much to talk about in terms of like what you're watching on and connected to what else you're watching on kind of thing which would work, but yeah, I like, I don't, I, I think with most of my cloud gaming, it's happening at my office, which is not this office, my work office, which is like insane university internet where I can just play like Halo and anything and not notice lag and, and whatever else. But if I do it here in my house, like it's, Ooh, this, this is, this is suboptimal. And that goes to back what to what Phil Spencer says, like, you know, like we're not trying to replace the console that you have here. It's just an added benefit. But we're getting to the point where like it's gonna it's gonna start transitioning to that. 
and we all have to prepare ourselves or our infrastructure has to prepare itself. I think they'll get there. It's certainly once more people get fiber internet and you're getting that quality stream, which still like I have that and it works relatively well, but it's still a bit dodgy. Like it looks still looks to me like someone has filmed someone else playing off TV and that's what I'm watching. That's what stream game looks like to me. But I, I'm used to playing on a Series X or a PS5 on a 4K OLED. Like that's it's a massive drop down compared to that. When you have Where, power, that is. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't have power. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, so yes, absolutely, full on like resolution snob. But there, there are loads of people who still go out and they they're happy to watch a DVD or they're happy to pay for Netflix and SD or even that they've got a 4K TV but they just pay the HD tier still and they can't see the difference for the 4K tier. I think that group of people will soon get into stream games because to them it looks fine. There's like, I think it's a pretty small group of us to be honest who really want to watch everything in 4K and want to have perfect yeah. frame rates and. It's, it's probably people who listen to a podcast like this. It's probably people who are into the latest release games, but there's a huge audience who don't care that much. And they're happy to go out and play Cult of the Lamb in streamed internet speed because they don't have a console to play it on. Like something like that runs quite well streamed. Well, let me tell you, like Somerville, really, really good. If you like Inside, if you like Limbo, it's by someone who was connected to Play Dead who was not responsible for any development in those games, but like it, it mm. plays like a limbo or a inside uh, with, with more narrative art, like a, a big, a bigger narrative arc. It's great. It probably takes like four hours to play. And then there's a chapter select. So if you missed all of the achievements, which I did, you can load into cloud, save, go to chapter, select, play through like the 20 seconds that you need to get the achievement. And like Bob's your uncle and you don't have to have it installed. And like, you don't really care if cloud works, pristinely or not because you know what you're doing already because you played the experience already it's like there there are ways and functions for cloud gaming which i think are great like there, and there's a whole bunch of stupid like xbox reward points that you can get for like play two minutes of blah yeah. blah blah and like you don't care how it plays you just want to like get your two minutes in like get there, those time in a place absolutely i think there's a market for it it's coming along that's probably why they're not rushing a lot. They kind of know that the it's still kind of an early days, early take up. I think it will boom at some point. It will just be an app on everything. They're just testing the waters if you happen to have a fancy new Samsung TV, which we don't, so we haven't actually tried that direct app yet. It's like the Holodeck versus oh, yeah, PlayStation holodeck. VR. <laughs> Good, better. Um, mm. we, we have gone too long for what we like to do. It's 50 minutes, Ben. Um, so how do we find you on the internet? I'm still on Twitter, Ben underscore Salter. You can see my God of War Ragnarok review tweeted at some point soon, probably. Where do we find you at the minute? God of War, damn you, uh, for the extra work tonight. No, let's, let's do it. Um, and then you can go to bed yeah. and ignore all the people who get mad at you for a 9 out of 10. No, no one's anyway, going to be mad. Hope, hopefully not. I, I don't have faith in the internet. Uh, you can tell me that I'm wrong at SWriteAU on all the things, including Twitter until Elon like just drives that final nail in the coffin. Like I, We're on like Twitter death watch, aren't we, at this point? Yeah, we're not going to... We'll forget about it for a few weeks. We'll come back soon and we'll, we'll see what's going on. Maybe in December. <laughs>